0: Um, I did get here this morning and someone saw the order of worship and they're like, oh, so you broke your message into two parts so you get an extra half an hour. And I said, yep. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't. Another short little thing that I want to share. Um, as we continue to look at Jesus, like asking Jesus to teach us how to pray, praying selflessly. Um, this time, it was my last year at Bible college, one of the last classes I had to do, um, and and this is at MST. Most of the lecturers are pretty old um, and not very good with technology at all. And there's a spiritual formation class and I rocked up and he dragged, you know, he's stumbling to drag the YouTube screen onto like the projector and it's all going wrong. And you know, like when you do, when you do that, you can see how long it goes and it's like an hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, you are kidding me. And like the quality of the video, it's like it's not even reaching three sixty P and it's like and it's just like it's just like an image. It wasn't even like a, a video, it was just images with audio. I'm like, this is gonna be a long hour and fifteen minutes. And um, and then the audio started and I'm like, Oh, it's getting even worse. There's this is this monotone, like really slow voice talking. It's this really old excerpt of a um, of a preacher. And I'm like, I've got to try and like get something out of this. Because I know that he's going to ask questions at the end, yeah? So I'm like, I've got to try and pay attention here. And this guy ends up tracing the history of, of some of the great revivals throughout history. And, and it was fascinating because every single one he linked to starting with prayer. That they all started with the commitment of God's people to pray for their city and for their world. And that from that, whether it was months later, whether it was years later, something amazing happened. For example, in 1857, this is in New York, uh, a businessman named Jeremiah Lamfire, that's a pretty sweet name, but (laughs) Jeremiah Lamfire, he was hired by a church to be a lay missionary. Um, He went door to door, knocking, it just, nothing was working. And so he decided one day, what we're going to do is we're going to open the church at noon once a week when the business is shut at noon and we're going to invite people to come in and pray and so they did that they opened up the doors and he sat there for 30 minutes no one rocked up and then eventually six people came and He thought oh that's pretty good and they spent the next half hour in prayer before they went back to work the next week they did it again It was 20 people the week after 40 people Soon the church was packed out. They went to weekly meeting. They went to daily meetings, Sorry, daily opening up the church at 12, 12 pm, praying for their city, praying for each other, and it got like it got so hectic that they had rules in place of like full order. Like you can pray for two minutes because everyone needs a chance to pray, and they had like strict instructions. and And then all of a sudden, other churches around the city started opening up at the same time. And within six months, estimates are that 10,000 businessmen and women were gathering daily to pray. This is in a city of 800,000 people. 10,000 people gathering daily to pray for their city, for their world. And it's estimated that in the near future, in the next year or so, that across the east coast of the United States where these meetings began going from New York to Philadelphia to other places. Over a million people became Christians in that time. Starting with one man who decided, let's pray. A similar thing happened in Melbourne, believe it or not, 1902. The population of Melbourne at the time was about 500,000 and there was a four-week campaign led by a a guy whose name was R.A. Torrey. Four-week campaign that held... Meetings in Melbourne Town Hall, over 250,000 people came each week. 9,000 people in that time gave their lives to Christ, right here in Melbourne. But what preceded all this was a commitment to prayer. All across Melbourne, churches were working together, and there were 1,700 prayer groups meeting weekly, praying for Melbourne and the city. All across Melbourne, little prayer groups. Churches working together, praying for revival in Melbourne. And that had all been started by one man who came out from Scotland, John McNeil, who had been gathering with pastors for over 10 years, praying for Melbourne, praying for the city, praying for the church. And the man that came out from America, R.A. Torrey, who led the campaign, he was part of a group of 300 people that met every Saturday night in Chicago praying for a revival and then he was the one that came out to then Melbourne, 9,000 people saved and so I just think what if we actually got hard of this, what if we actually captured this thing of like, because I think we all go oh, I want God to work in our community we want God to work in our, in our city, in our world, we want God to do these things but are we actually willing and committed to actually pray for that to happen because otherwise I don't think it will. We can go out and run programs and, and, and send missionaries and do all these things, but unless we are committed to prayer, will it actually happen? And I think we need to really look at ourselves. I need to look at myself and we need to look at our church and go, are we willing to pray for God to work? Just to get on our knees, fold up our hands, stop doing things and just pray. Because... That's the only way that things will happen. Unless the Lord builds the house, in vain it's builders as strife. That's what we're called to do. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to read 1 Timothy 2. A few verses from there. Where Paul encourages Timothy to pray and pray selflessly. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings, not just for your church, not just for your kids, not just for your church, but for all people, for your kings and all those who are in authority. Paul emphasizes all people. He says, pray for all people. And he says later on in verse four, because God desires all people to be saved, all people to come to the knowledge Christ that's the heart of our father that's the heart of God that all people would come to know him and may that be the heart of our church that we desire all people in this world to know him and therefore yes we'll go and share the gospel and we're going to talk that's the next trait that we're going through in June and July so yes we're passionate about that but we also go we need to pray we need to pray for all people and that Paul also specifies that we have to pray for the kings And all those who are in high positions so that we may lead a peaceful and a quiet life. That we do that because we actually believe that God can change things. That God can actually change the hearts and the minds of our leaders. We pray for them knowing that actually God is over all. That God is the supreme authority. In Proverbs 21, Solomon writes that the king's heart is a stream of water in the land, in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. The wisest man to live says that the king's heart is a stream in, of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That we actually believe that God can, can change things. In Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, it talks about David who writes, and he, and he writes about you know how the kings of the earth make plans and they they plot their things and it and it says that he who sits in heaven laughs god God sits in the not because he's you know mean but because he goes he he's the ultimate authority he's the one that in the end is in control and makes the plans and so when's the last time that we've really prayed for our political leaders for our the kings and our queens, not just like I mean, the royal wedding last night's kind of, you know, not just adored them and looked, oh gosh, they live a pretty good life, but actually pray for them and, and, and celebrate them and, and ask God to work through them. And, you know, And the challenge for me is not just to pray for the political leaders that I agree with or the ones that I like or the ones that are Christian. You know, Paul's writing to Timothy in the time of Emperor Nero, which I think Andrew talked, touched on in the last... Couple of weeks ago, this is one of the most corrupt and cruel emperors ever. He horrifically persecuted Christians, and here's Paul writing to Timothy, saying, "Pray for him. Pray for the king. Pray for the. Even if he's evil, even if he's doing horrific things, pray and trust that God is in supreme control." Psalm twenty two says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. Once again we come to prayer with this confidence that actually God is over it all, that that, that He rules over the nations. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And so we pray for our city, we pray for our leaders, we pray for all people. And we pray for their welfare, their completeness, their wholeness, their their shalom. And we pray ultimately knowing that they would know Jesus. And we pray trusting Him. Trusting that He will work, that He's in control. And that in the end, He's the true source of unending peace, the perfect Savior and King. So we're going to finish up in a moment, and what we're going to do is just pray for our world. Pray for our leaders. Pray for different issues that we see. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, Louis Giglio. I was scrolling through YouTube and I was attracted by a title that said Louis Giglio uh, and it was the 20 inch journey. I'm like, 20 inches? What is he talking about? And so naturally, I clicked it to see what's going on. And um, I did the math. It's actually a 50.8 centimeter journey in real language. And So we'll just call it the 50-centimeter journey. And it's the journey between our standing and kneeling. That's 50 centimeters to our knees. And, he, and he, was, he was talking about this and he was saying that like, that's, that's the distance, that's the journey we need to take as God's people to actually get on our knees and pray for our country. And this is around the time of the elections and stuff. And he said, so, like, we need to pray for our leaders and, our, our, and everything in that. That what if we actually got on our knees and said, God, we, we need you. There's nothing, there's nothing magical about it, but it's, it's, it's a, a posture of recognizing our own brokenness and, and God's power and his worth as king. You know, the royalty comes in and everyone gets on their knees. It's a... This is one of Glenn's lines that it's a It's a physical representation and a physical reminder of a spiritual reality. Just like when we lift our hands in worship, it's a, it's a physical action and a physical representation of a spiritual reality that God is above all, that God is worthy to be praised. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing, you know... I can't think of the words. Uh, super, super, uh, anyways. Anyway. Uh, blank. It's like when we baptize... When we baptise people, once again, it's a, it's a physical representation of a spiritual reality that they are a child of God and in His promise and in His covenant. So same thing when we fall on our knees, it's a physical representation of a spiritual reality that Jesus is King and that we are nothing without Him. And that we're surrendered to Him and that we're subject to Him and that we're trusting in Him. So God says, if my people... If my people humble themselves and pray, he will hear us, he will forgive us and heal their land. What if the welfare, the completeness, the wholeness, the shalom of our city or our nation or our world, what if that's resting a little bit on our prayers? That God is waiting for his people to pray and then he'll heal our land. What if the hearts of our kings and leaders are able to be turned like a stream in the hand of the Lord and God is waiting for us to pray? Now, don't get me wrong, God doesn't need us. God can work powerfully without us and He does. But He's also called us and invited us into this journey to pray and to pray selflessly for our world and to be a part of what He's doing. He's called us to intercede for our country for all people to seek the welfare of our city to lift up our kings and our queens and our leaders trusting that our prayers will actually change things and so this morning I'm just going to invite us to actually just do that to fall on our knees and pray that we'll just cry out to God for our city for our nation and for our world Trusting that he's over all of it and that he will work and that he is in control. But praying for God to change and to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, we've got a few. I've, got, I've just tried to gather some prayer points because some people go, well, I don't know what to pray for. So I've just whacked a whole bunch on there. There's probably heaps more that you can think of. And that's A-OK. You pray. Um, these are just suggestions. If you go, I don't know what to pray for, well, then you can look to the screen and find some things. Um, but I'm like, I'm dead serious. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray like, in my mind, it's like Africa style, where it's like everyone just starts praying. All right? We're not going to sort of, you know, have this. I'm not having shot it, but like, you know, sometimes it's so like order and it's awkward silence and stuff. We're just going to just pray out loud. And you just pray what's on your heart for our city for our nation and for our world. And after that, I'll wrap up and then we're going to sing some songs at the end. So if you are physically able, I'm going to invite you to fall on your knees and move the chairs out if you need. And if you're comfortable with it, we're going to do it. And I'm just going to leave it open and just start praying. Let's just start praying for our world, for our city, for our nation.